you want a way into someone's heart. Give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. Show them Jesus. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your seasonal Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined in a seedy motel with Dave the Rogue Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? I'm good. And what I would say that the way that you introduced the show yeah. is like prancing. That's the way I, I, I would imagine you prancing around. <laughs> yeah, no, that's accurate. That's accurate. But it has to be like in a winter wonderland. That's yeah. the only time I ever prance. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just for the folks tuning in, we are walking through one of the greatest evangelists of our time, St. Pope John Paul the Great. Um, and we are going to look through the lens of this sainted pope at the idea of Catholic evangelization and mission in the modern world. We are looking at, in particular, his first encyclical of his pontificate, Redeemer of Man, Redemptor Hominis. And we are going through this to understand how this applies to us as Catholic evangelists. How do we evangelize from the heart of the church? So again, here's my call to you. Please go online, Google Redeemer of Man or Redemptor Hominis. Google that or Bing it if you're Dave, and you will get um, get the Vatican, the free document on the Vatican, copy and paste it. This is what I do. Copy and paste into a Word doc, make fat margins, and then I just write tons of notes in the margins and all that stuff. That's how I prefer to read. Of course, I left my paper copy with all my notes in the margins at home, uh, literally in a wonderful three ring binder sitting <laughs> at my office table. I feel like such an idiot, but Dave, we're here, we're together. And that's all that matters. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. See, I yeah. agree. This is, this is fun. To Do be I make to... you uncomfortable being in the same room as you instead of doing this via Skype? No, I love this. Oh, good. Why? Because I prefer to encounter a person oh. as opposed to. The soft Gnosticism of screens. <laughs> the soft <laughs> Gnosticism. Oh, it's so disembodied. It's so disembodied. So unincarnational. Gomer, I, you know, I don't, I, you know, I'm, I, my mind doesn't work like a normal person's. But when right. you said one of the greatest evangelists of our time, yeah, I mean, it, so then I started thinking, like, well, who, else, like, who would be? And I, I'm pretty sure we can go ahead and just say he's the greatest. No, no, no. There's one person who's better than him. Who? Mother who Teresa of Calcutta. No. Billy Graham? He's terrible. Billy, Billy Graham? No, he's a fake. He's a fake compared to JP2. Dave, it's you. <laughs> it's you, Dave. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do today is continue our discussion of the beautiful encyclical Redeemer of Man. Oh, I, you know, it's funny thinking about this being the personal relationship. I heard this great story in Jason Everett's book on JP2. Yeah. Uh, which everyone should get so everyone good. should get he tells this story of uh this priest um or the bishop goes to his first ad limina visit yeah and the bishop sees him or the pope sees him and he's like i know you from somewhere he's like uh, no holy father i think i would know if i met you before and he's like no i know you and then a little bit later like after some audience or whatever they had or private mass he's like I'm trying, I, I, I know, I, I know you. And, you know, and he said some details about his life and he's like, how does he know? I don't know him. So one of his best friends, JP 2s best friends came up to him and was like, listen, man, it's just good to agree with the Pope because he has a perfect memory for people and faces. And he goes, how? And he said, well, it's because he believes he's encountering Christ when he encounters a human person. Oh my gosh. So, so the guy goes and he tries to figure it out and he remembers he was in Rome as a seminarian studying yeah. in 1963 during Vatican II and the Pope was uh, a bishop at the council 
and he walked out of a, like a coffee shop and saw him and they spent like five minutes chatting it up. So then he goes to another thing with the Pope and he's like, Holy father, I have to say this, like blah, blah, blah. And he goes, now you finally remember me. That was a great coffee shop. Like he remembered all the details, <laughs> but he was waiting for the guy to remember it. See, and that incredible? It, yeah, but you know what? That, that is a mark of like fantastic evangelists where, yeah. I mean, have you ever had that experience with somebody like where you're like, how do you remember any of that? You know, I try so hard. I really do try. And it's not that I don't see Christ in you. Yeah. It's that I, eh. it's just really hard. To, it's not just really hard. hard. It's really difficult. No, for me, I, I always use that stupid line, right? That everyone uses, which is like, well, I'm just not really good with names. Oh, and it's right. like, really, it's just like, I'm just tired. I don't care anymore. Right? But I realized that I'm losing something, a little bit of that JP2 joy. But honestly, rereading and studying for this thing, I'm like, yeah, this is why I fell in love with Pope John Paul. I met a teacher who was taught by a teacher of JP two right, who right. said he was so informed by his life. What he would go is he put his hand on everyone's desk on the first day in graduate school theology and say, say their name over and over again. And then he would say, it is good that you are you. Yeah. It is good that you are. And it had their name memorized and face memorized for the rest. Like this student went back 10 years later and was like, hello, how are you? And just walk through. How's your family? How's this? How's that? Like that's the JP two radiation of fatherhood that I wish that I wish that I had. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally, I totally feel the same way. And I feel like so many, I mean, since we're talking about it, I feel like it's important to see, to realize like probably people listening, so many of your priests are, are a product. Like he was an inspiration to so many priests that you probably see on a weekly basis. He was, he was their inspiration. And so he, he's still influencing the church so deeply. In fact, I would say Gomer, don't you think his influence on the church is widely still to come. Oh yeah. Like it's a wave that we haven't been hit with. I think we're just, I mean like his entrance onto the scene began, like we, we don't even begin to understand how corrupt it got in the sixties, seventies and eighties. It was horrific. And the the world or the Vatican or the the church in in particular. And his presence, because, you know, he's a wartime pontiff basically because of the cold war. And so it's hard to criticize a guy who brought down communism, you know? And so his presence, which was so loving and so powerful, his personal witness was hard to deny. And I remember a a Hollywood actress who was a nominal Catholic. She went to go see him and there was a, a, I think it was when he was in Denver and she got, you know, used her Hollywood connections to get a private audience. And she goes up to him and, you know, there's a, thousands of people all around in whatever arena or room they're in. And she said the same thing that I've heard so many people who've got their babies blessed or their newlywed couples and they got blessed is they said this, you felt like you were the only person, person on in the room, Yeah, you know, over and over again. So, uh, interestingly, you know, when you say that he was so loving and so powerful, so it was authentic love because there were plenty of examples of him scolding people. Do you remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like there's remember that video he, where he has the finger oh, up at that yeah. bishop. Um, oh, and there was a, a, a Nicaraguan priest. Who no, that's, the what, it that's what it was. That's what it was. There was all this stuff and they're trying to be all fake and he rips his hand. The guy's trying to kiss his ring, rips his hand away and just starts yelling at him. Well, yeah, because yeah, he, I, yeah, he wasn't going to it wasn't going to be fake. Well, he's a priest holding political office. He can't do that. Yeah. Oh, oh, so much as man born almost on my birthday, May 18th on May 25th. That's pretty close. That's pretty close. Yeah, Practically when, the same I, day. when people say so, that, that kind uh, of thing makes me so crazy. Why? Because there are people right. born every day, Gomer. It, there's no connection there. Yeah, but only the holiest people are born in May. All right. 
<laughs> okay, so what we're going to do today is walk through paragraphs 13 to, uh, oh shoot, 17, I think. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to go through these paragraphs because this is chapter three, uh, redeemed man and his situation in the modern world. Okay. Again, the church wants to read the signs of the times. It wants to understand man in his current situation. This is very important. But first, paragraph 13 is incredible. So I'm going to start out with this money quote from paragraph 13 that I love so much. I got to stop saying money quote. I say that a lot. I say that a lot. When in all actuality, we'll receive no money for that quote. <laughs> Actually, Ascension Press is sponsoring this. So oh, yeah, yeah, we kind of will. Okay. Um, the church wishes to serve this single end that each person may be able to find Christ in order that Christ may walk with each person the path of life with the power of the truth about man and the world that is contained in the mystery of the incarnation and the redemption and with the power of the love that is radiated by that truth. I mean, come on. You could literally do a holy hour on that passage alone. The church wishes to serve this single end. Oh, to advance her, you know, standing in the world. No, put that aside. Put all of that stupidity aside. We want that every person can find themselves in Christ, can find Christ, and find and let him walk the path of life. For for our listeners, I want to draw out the one the one thing that I just think I wish I would have read this. Yeah. The first day, which is the power of the truth about man, right? Like how many people, yeah. how many people have said to you, I mean, maybe not a lot, but this has happened to me a lot in my career where people have been like, can I just like go door to door and evangelize? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, really? You can just do that? Or could I just go downtown and evangelize? And it's like, yeah. And they're yeah. like, you can just do that. It's like people are looking for like some authority yeah. or some power. And I think a lot of people are afraid. To evangelize yeah. and this phrase the power of the truth about man it, it should be like the kind of thing like you know they don't know what they are we can help reveal that to themselves you know who they are and we know the truth about man this should be like a super comforting thing for evangelists to realize that yeah. we're doing a favor right we're not we're not unwanted we are there because man wants to find himself and we can tell man who he is. Can I tell you, one of the most powerful things I've heard in a long time was at the Steubenville Youth Conference, a buddy of mine, Brian Greenfield. He was one of the speakers. I love this guy. He hung the moon. Uh, he can do no wrong in my eyes. He said this when we were talking about, like, how do you talk to the teenagers after Saturday night when there's like this big adoration? And a lot of kids have an experience. And a lot of kids judge the whole Steubenville retreat weekend by whether or not they cried their eyes out on a Saturday night during adoration, right? And that's not the point. And so often we keep doing this. Okay. It's not the point. He's, he had this great line. He said, too often we judge our relationship with God based on our experiences, especially our past experiences, where instead we should judge it on our desires. And he said, so the question I ask you is, do you desire, do you want to have your hopes fulfilled? And if you'll let them, Christ is the one who fulfills oh my it. Goodness. And I thought of that, like taking it off the qualia, the experience of the thing and putting it on the desires of every human heart. This is what JP two was doing. And this next, uh, this next part still in paragraph 13, because let's be honest, we're going to do 13 for like 45 minutes and then all the rest in like two minutes. Uh, Jesus Christ is the chief way for the church. He himself is our way to the father's house and is the way to each man. 
that's what I want to talk to you about. Yeah, again, each and every on this way, leading from Christ to man, on this way on which Christ unites himself with each man, nobody can halt the church. This is an exigency of man's temporal welfare and of his eternal welfare. So, all right. Yeah. So let's let's, let's break, break that. that let's take that let's one take phrase that in particular <laughs> yeah. and is the way to each man. How many times have we, maybe maybe you and I even, maybe we've made yeah. mistakes, but how many times have we seen the church bend over backwards trying to sneak the gospel in the back door through, I don't know, flash or gimmicks mm. or something like that instead of realizing that Jesus Christ is the way to each man? Yeah. I, I, that, that statement really took my breath away, that Jesus Christ is the way is the chief way for the church is the chief way for the church and is the way to each man, right? Like you want a way into someone's heart. Give them Jesus, give them Jesus, show them Jesus, show them Jesus and follow Jesus into that heart and see that heart the way Jesus sees that heart and, and love that heart the way Jesus loves the heart. I mean, that to me is a breathtaking. I mean, I really had a hard time getting past that for a while. Because again, we're going back to the human dimension of the mystery of the incarnation. So number one, it was through the word of God that God created the universe, right? And St. Paul tells us that the Pope quotes actually in the, I think in the very first paragraph where he says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, right? So Jesus is the image of the father. We are made in the image and likeness of God. Thus, we are already in relation to the word, right? Then the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. So it's not just that we're made through the word in the image of the father, but now he becomes one of us, right? You think in a certain way, he has united himself by his incarnation to everyone, to each one, to all of us, right? So that's the context. So if I really believe that Jesus Christ is our salvation, the reason why he's our salvation, there's no name under heaven by which men can be saved is because he's a union of God and man. Yeah, He's not the bridge, like he's not trying to build a bridge in between them. Right. He is the bridge because he is God and man united. He is our reconciliation with the father because he's God and man (laughs) reconciled, right? He is the union, right? Right. He is the reconciliation. And the thing that you just said, this is why this stuff enables us to reevaluate our own ministry, but also the church and the disastrous ways sometimes that we go is what you just said, like try to put the gospel, sneak it in through, you know, the back door, like, Hey, we're going to do this, but hopefully you get a little Jesus over here. The, The problem with that is it's not really, it's like we're settling for crumbs that the culture lets us have instead of realizing that we created this whole culture to begin with. Yeah, right. This culture is our daughter, right? Like it's the daughter of the church. And so it's like, we're so afraid of this stuff. It's because we don't ultimately trust Jesus as evangelists. We trust our programs and our schedules Absolutely. and our wittiness. And it's like, quit trying to be witty, be epic failure. Like I, I was just thinking about this. I think the most effective evangelist in my life right now is a buddy of mine named Seth. Do you know why? Because Seth is funny, but he's also really awkward, really awkward. So in his office that he works at, he calls everybody by their religion. Like, oh, here's my Mormon friends. We're going to go watch the oh Mormon movie. Oh, my gosh. Like, we're going to get the Catholics and the Mormons. We're going to sit them down. Oh, my gosh. Because, but, like, everyone thinks it's hilarious. But yeah. here's the deal. He always keeps the religious conversation going. Going, sure, yeah. Without anyone being like, I feel uncomfortable about this. Because right. it's him. It's Seth. You yeah. want to, you kind of want to, like, punch him just as much as you want to hug him, right? right? Like, Right. And so that's the funny thing is, like, quit trying to impress people. Yeah. And just 
use Jesus to get into these people's hearts. Right. And then there you could show them the way to Jesus. Yeah. And, right? b- and by the way, it's, it's also a comfort that like, if you're an evangelist and you're struggling, you don't have to go to some far off missionary school. You don't have to go read a, a million books. What you have to do is just go back to the heart of Jesus Christ. Yeah. But let's talk about the flex statement. He ends that quote with go for it. The church cannot be halted. Yeah. So, so th- give the context again that like, right. This is Soviet yep. Europe. Yeah. Basically trying to destroy any sort of, yeah. of semblance of a singular man, right. Personal man, right. The collective and, and any semblance of Jesus Christ, any semblance of the incarnation, right. In entirely right. In introducing an entirely utilitarian culture and Pope John Paul is basically saying, do what you want. The church will not be halted in yeah. doing this thing that will undo you. Yeah. I love it. It is amazing. My, one of my favorite stories on the other side of the Iron Curtain was a man who, um, he was uh, in your wheelhouse. He was a Taekwondo champion. Aren't you Taekwondo? Yeah. He was a Taekwondo champion in Soviet Russia. Cool. He joined uh, a group of secret police who would go around and their goal was to target Christian secret meetings. Yeah. And he went into one room and he found this beautiful 18 year old girl. They were all doing the mass, uh, the liturgy it was a Russian Orthodox and they beat them all. And he beat her up, took her back to the police and beat her within an inch of her life. Right. Threw her back in six months later, they're raiding something else. And, and she's deformed now. She's this beautiful young, like 16, I think beautiful young woman. Now she can't walk. Like he shattered her ankles, like everything. So she's like sitting in a chair, all hobbled over, and then and she's at liturgy again. And he comes in, and he's furious. And so he just starts wailing on these people. They're, him and his gang of thugs are all beating these people up. But he can't understand why this, why these people would subject themselves right. to this. Why is she back? So he walks by a Bible, and he rips a page off and puts it in his pocket. And he ripped off a page of the Gospel of Luke. And he goes back to his apartment, and he begins to read it. And he reads it just one page front and back over and over again. And he begins seeing why are these people a threat to the to the Soviet Union, the the threat to the empire? These people, this this it, there's a nothing in the and he becomes converted. And then his buddies walk up to him one night. And they said, "You're done." And he was found bludgeoned to death in some alleyway in like Stalingrad or something. Wow! Like it, and Fulton Sheen shares that story because this is the power of the gospel. Like once people really believe, yeah, it really can't be stopped. Yeah. Right. right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even, even like think about in silence. Uh, so one of my favorite. No, oh yeah. That movie about the Jesuits, the book. No, no, no. Oh, no, remix. Oh, no, no. You're going there. That's <laughs> no, Scorsese talking about flick. Cardinal Van Thuan. Have you ever read any of his I stuff? Have not. He, he, I have he, not. he, he died not too long ago, but he gave a Easter spiritual exercises to Pope John Paul in the papal household. And it's called testimony of hope. And he talks about being in a, like a, it was a communist work camp and he, he converted so many of his guards, they finally made him silent, you know, but he would still continue to convert his guards, right? I mean, <laughs> Christ finds a way, right? I mean, that's that's the way, the way it is. And and I remember uh, he asked for like a piece of wire, and I remember his guard was so excited he was going to be lauded because he thought he was going to hang himself, and it was to hang a cross on it, you know, and the, the you know, it's it's just not, it's, it, it's not going to stop, not because it's a set of rules and principles that help you to live life better. It's because it's a love affair with Jesus Christ. And that's, that's why people will 
continue. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. So we need to go on because I mean, oh my goodness, we could talk about this for hours. So paragraph 14 for the church always lead to man. The church cannot abandon man for his destiny. That is to say his election, calling birth and death salvation or perdition is so closely and unbreakably linked with Christ. We are, I love this again. We are speaking precisely of each man on this planet, each man in all the unrepeatable reality of what he is and what he does of his intellect and his will of his conscience and his heart man who in his reality has, because he is a person, a history of his life that is his own. And most important, a history of his soul that is his own. And then I skip down a little bit and here's the phrase I underline this man is the primary route that the church must travel in fulfilling her mission. He is the primary and fundamental way for the church, the way traced out by Christ himself. So again, it's going to the man as a whole human person, right? All of his hopes, dreams, but also all of his socialness, his connectedness, his intellect, his will, his activity, everything. Also the personal man, right? I mean, it's still flying into face of the collective, Yeah, right? You know? And he can't stop doing that. Nope. And he will continue to do that. It's like, it's almost like, he was and he was uncatechized by the yeah. communists and it comes through constantly, right? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, it is shocking. Yeah. So he says a little bit later, this man is the way for the church, a way that in a sense is the basis of all the other ways that the church must walk because man, every man without exception, wherever has been redeemed by Christ. And because with man, with each man, without exception, whatever Christ is in a way united, even when man is unaware of it. And so here we come as individual Catholics, like how do we approach this stuff with this lofty theology of like the incarnation, redemption, each and every man, all men, you know, all this stuff is we do this because the person who is in front of us is the person that Christ redeemed. Yeah. Right. And so this is the person and it's through that person's life that we want to bring them Christ. Uh, over and over again, questions that we get asked is like, how do I evangelize my mother? How do I evangelize my brother who walked away from the church? And the answer is kind of the same. It's like, be a blessing to them and love them. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, full stop, not love your neighbor only if they're on the verge of converting. Right, right. right. But the idea is like, but like, this is where they become projects. And JP2 is like, no, 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 no. The way to converting them is through their own hearts, their yeah, own right. loves, their own intellect, wills of yeah. their soul. And then their all of that good stuff. But then he needs to turn to paragraph 15. And this is where, this is where it gets dark. This is, this is the sorrow, right? It got him at spez, right? The hope and the joy, but also the sorrows and the tribulations of modern man. And now we go into what modern man, man is, afraid is afraid of. of. Yeah. So he's going to talk about the fact that, right. Vatican two, this is the reason for Vatican II, right? This is the reason to, for the church to take a look at itself, to take a look at modern society and speak perfectly to modern man. He opens it saying, accordingly, accordingly, while keeping alive in our memory, the picture that was so per perspicaciously and authoritatively, <laughs> That's a hard word. Yeah, That's a hard word. And authoritatively traced by the second Vatican council, we should try once more to adapt it to the signs of the times and to the demand of the situation, which is continually changing and evolving in certain directions. And now this is, this is the paragraph basically where evangelization is always a challenge in all of history, but certainly the challenges are unique to our time and maybe even more intense than ever. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. 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 I love, um, this quote from Aristotle where he says that man is greater than the beast, but basically when he's, 
unvirtuous. He becomes worse than the beasts because we have a power that the beasts don't have, which is intellect and will, which leads to our freedom. So we can abuse our intellect. We can come up with things that can destroy us. And so the question becomes like, why is man? And I think it's worth spending time on, especially in light of Veritatis Splendor at the end of our reflections here. But the idea is man is often under threat from what he produces, right? That's how he starts off this paragraph. The man of today seems ever to be under the threat from what he produces. That is to say, from the result of the work of his hands. So, of course, he's speaking of nuclear weapons in this. He's also speaking of things like pollution and other things like that. And prophetically speaking about pornography, smartphones, screens. Yeah. See, this is the thing. So he goes on to say, all too soon and often in an unforeseeable way, what this manifold activity of man yields is not only subjected to alienation in the sense that it's simply taken away from the person who produces it. That's a Marxist throw uh, line, the alienation of a labor from their from their product. Right. But rather, it turns against man himself, at least in part, through the indirect consequences of its effects returning in on him. It is or can be directed against him. And I think this is not just a dig on communism. This is a dig on capitalism, right? This is a dig on people who have reduced our society to a consumer culture where we keep producing all these things to make our lives easier but it doesn't make our life better right and that's the part that we all have to face that when you have a capitalism without morality you often have a consumer culture that is hell-bent on our own destruction because it looks like us at our worst right it becomes the very things that that we want but not need even so even democracy without virtue oh yeah absolutely okay i mean i know you hate democracy dave dave's (laughs) like i'm an integralist who only wants a monarchy yeah right (laughs) Go on. No, the development of technology and the development of contemporary civilization, which is marked by the ascendancy of technology, demand a proportional development of morals and ethics. That's precisely what Veritatis Splendor wants to get into. But we think about this. Here we are powerful. And I mean, we can literally wipe out the face of the earth. We can destroy all of life almost to the cellular level, like a hundred times over with our thermonuclear capabilities. So why is it that when our technology, our technological power in the 20th century increases, our morality, isn't it funny, has decreased. Our sense of belonging to community, to one another, has decreased. Our understanding of loving our neighbor, our love of nation has become nationalism, right? Like you have communism, socialism, capitalism, all these things arrayed as a bunch of isms. And now we are no longer master and guardian of nature, but we've become exploiter and destroyer. I think that that's a powerful phrase. It is. It's a powerful phrase. And it kind of makes you feel, I mean, immediately when I'm thinking this, I'm thinking like, well, in what ways are we that now? You know, and it's a myriad of ways. And I think what's important to remember is that our culture is so concerned with this, right? I mean, don't you think that like every, even at high schools, right? They're so socially involved, right? They're doing fundraisers for this. They're doing this. They're doing that. And I think like this is amazing because what he's going to do is go right back to his thesis, which is Jesus Christ is yep. the answer to all of this. He asks a bunch of questions, and I'm not going to go through them, but they're really powerful when you sit there and just meditate on them. But the idea is, is human life being, with all this progress, is it being made more human? It doesn't make it more worthy of man, or is it actually a form of regression? As G.K. Chesterton said, 
progress is a comparative of which the superlative has not been settled, right? Right. It's like, oh, things are getting better. Okay, well, what's the best towards which we're heading? We can't decide that. So then he said, sometimes the most progressive thing is to do a U-turn if you find that you're progressing off of a cliff, right? So think about this. As our society has become more technological and more masters of of, of nature, right, we've looked backwards with disdain. Right. We have that chronological snobbery. But so all of the wisdom that we've accumulated up till this point, up till the age of whatever industrial age or or the computer age, we now look back at all of our ancestors at all the tradition, all that stuff. And we say, oh, they didn't know anything. And we just dismiss them. Now that we have an atom bomb powered in our hands, we're like, forget them. It's like, no, 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 no. Because you just turn yourself into a child again. You need all of this stuff in order to understand how to be virtuous with all that stuff. It's like JP2 would say about um, contraception, right? Instead of virtue, we add technology, right? We use things like the birth control pill or the condom or something like that. We insert contraceptive whatever device here in order to not have to abstain or to fast or to show love in non-sexual ways, right? So where there's a lack of love and a lack of virtue, we we run to technology and we do that for everything. And so the danger becomes that modern man, as we have these technologies, we have less moral reflection, yeah. moral aptitude. Right. And now, you know, we've given we've given uh children the 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 bomb, right? It's crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, it's and it was all like, yeah, Pope Paul VI, you know, in in Humana Vitae, he he like predicted all this, right? Yeah. Like that when when you, when you introduce sexuality without like you know the, the fruitfulness that you know there's there's going to be all these consequences that come with it. Pope John Paul II knew that and has seen the consequences happen. They would have very much linked contraception to the bomb i mean there's no question right yeah. that that it was a lack of human dignity one of the things he says that i thought was very interesting is he says this question must be put to christians precisely because jesus christ has made them so universal universally sensitive about the problem of man mm-hmm. and isn't that interesting right that that uh, it's it's another thing to remember at, and we'll get into this more in the next document but that Christianity is is naturally outward facing. We're worried about the fate of the world, yeah, because you know we because Christ has put that in us, right? We're worried about our fellow man because Christ created them. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. He redeemed them all. But that is why, like the most progressive among us and all that stuff, it, it's they're Christ haunted because it's like we got the kingdom, but without the king. They don't want the gospel, but it's actually they do. They want perfect justice, perfect peace, perfect equality and all that stuff. They re- We all want that. We just think our schemes can produce it and it can't because we're ignoring Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's So, uh, all right, let me, let me run this by you. Okay. All right. All right. Run it seems to me that his program for saving the world is twofold. Okay. First, that the the solution is Jesus Christ, okay, okay. relationship with Jesus Christ. But that's not just that. It's a in a personal way. Right. Yeah, that personalism. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that each man must experience that for themselves. Only then the collective can be yeah. redemptive. And I think you know, he's going to continually warn us. And he has this one quote where he says, the church must in no way be confused with the political community, nor bound to any political system. She is at once a sign and a safeguard of the transcendence of the human person. I think we really have to be very careful about that. You know, yeah. that 
Uh, we and we can get into that. You know, you can stay at pre-evangelization for a long time and think you're doing the right thing. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah. You know, I often think about people who are very politically active, who are also Catholic and our heart yearns to be a civilization of life and love. But what ends up happening is it can often become controlling and manipulative and override human freedom. And, uh, the priest who used to run the, the Lord Acton Institute, yes. uh, father, what's his name? Sir father, Robert Sirico. Yeah. He had this great line where he was arguing with a Catholic, uh, integralist. So someone who basically wants yeah. a Catholic Catholic country, expressly Catholic. And he said, see, your problem is you want to be in charge of the pullet bureau. Like you want to be in charge of the censorship machine. He goes, I want to abolish the Politburo altogether. Right. And, uh, it is funny. He's like, and, and you're deceiving yourself. If you think someone's just going to magically return everyone to traditional Christianity and be like, yes, you run with state media will be Catholic media. It'll be EWTN will be our state run media. Right. And that won't go South quickly. Right? Right. right. It absolutely will. Right. It's, it's anytime you ever try to change the world without evangelization, yeah. it's not going with to only work. power, right? Yeah. It's not going to work period. Yeah. Of course, laws should reflect virtue. There's yeah. no question, but that does not mean that it makes a virtuous person. Yeah. And, and I think, well, we're getting way crazy here. No, now, this is but, awesome. No, but, but okay. So, like, ones. this is like why, like, people always get really mad at me. Like, my friends who are a little bit more socially liberal, where I always, I'm, I'm so offended by government welfare because I feel like it takes away the personal aspect of it. Right? Yeah. Like, I want to support the poor, and I want my children to meet the poor. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I hate it. I hate it so much, and I think this is where we get into you know, big problems here. Like, well, this is where the principle, which the Pope brings up, the principle of subsidiarity is yeah, meant to govern right, our actions. Right. And this is where we lose sight. I think as Catholics is Christ is calling us to evangelize. Use the principle of subsidiarity to evangelize. Like I am called at the lowest level to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to my neighbor, to the people who are my sphere of influence. Like you're not responsible for the universe, right? Yeah, you're right. responsible for the people in your sphere of influence, right, right? right? And that's where we need to bring the gospel. So let's go to paragraph 16 and 17. We'll wrap up with some practical takeaways uh, in paragraph 16, progress or threat. So again, he's rehashing. And now this is really where he's trying to hit the, like the Western side yeah. of the cold war. He has this great line where he said, uh, it is a matter as contemporary philosopher has said, and as a council has stated, not so much of having more, but of being more. And apparently that was a phrase that he would utter to his, um, to people who serve like in the papal guard and to different people who would come like uh, priests who were working with him in the Vatican, his phrase to them, to, to the global church was be not afraid. That's what we most heard. But to people who worked with him in mission, he would say, be more, be more. Ooh, right. I like that. So right. Cool. But here you see that he's bringing that right out of both uh, Populorum Progressio, which is what that comes from. So Pope Paul VI and Vatican II. Indeed, there is already a real perceptible perceptible danger that while man's dominion over the world of things is making enormous advances. So he's not shortchanging that he should lose the essential threads of his dominion. And in various ways, let his humanity be subjected to the world and become himself something subject to manipulation in many ways. So I think it's important that you, you mentioned he, he doesn't shortchange the, the advances. Yeah. I think it's important to understand that he also doesn't fear. He does not fear them. And that yeah. is a, that is a, a threat we can. Yeah. Th that's a problem for us for a lot of Catholics. Yeah. To think everything modern is bad. 
Yeah. He, he, he's fully aware that Jesus Christ will conquer the most modern of worlds, yeah. right? It's like, that's not a worry of his. What he's saying is, let's keep our, our moorings here, right? Yeah. Yeah, and this is an important component of anyone thinking about evangelization in the modern world. It's that there is this technocratic paradigm that dominates all, which is best summarized in the Jeff Goldblum quote from Jurassic Park. I think we all know this. We were so concerned with whether or not we could. We never stopped to ask if, if we, we should. should, right? And now you're selling it. You're selling it. It's on Lunchbox, right? That line from, okay, you guys are the Yeah, worst. no, Jurassic Park was awesome. Oh, CD Hotel was the first, That was the first the PG-13 movie I ever saw. Oh, that's sad. That's sad. I was watching Bloodsport. Bloodsport for years before that. Anywho, <laughs> um, but that that idea is what he's hitting on, right? Is he, now we have these powers, but it's outpacing our ethical responsibility. And so he's talking about like we've become things in the world, right? Right. We're no longer persons. We've become things, and we've instrumentalized ourselves and others. And he's and we're allowing ourselves to be manipulated. C.S. Lewis had the greatest thing in Abolition of Man, yeah. where he said it's not about man's domination over nature; it's man's domination over other men using nature as the weapon yeah right and that's what we're doing see this is what i mean by the immaturity of our moral minds right when we have this technological power is like now we can plumb the depth of human psychology and we're so obsessed with becoming transhuman we're we're becoming less human in doing that and we don't we don't see that by giving ourselves over to artificial intelligence and machine learning and all this stuff yes we can advance a lot of stuff but we also will lose a lot of our humanity in the process. And no one is critically asking these questions, or very few people are. And it, it becomes deadly dangerous to who we are as a person when we've succeeded everything to the machine, to technology, to the works of our hands without ever thinking, hey, maybe this actually wouldn't be good for us. Maybe having social media for 13-year-olds with always-on pornographic theaters in their pocket that they can carry everywhere, maybe that's a stupid idea and you should give them Nokia flip phones if you really need to get in touch with them. I did that for my kids and I'm holding that up as a triumphalistic way to say that I'm a better parent than everyone else. Anyway, maybe, right? Like, this is the thing, though. Like, we really have to realize, like, we're instrumentalizing ourselves in this game. Yeah, it's a sick game. Yeah, you know, you know, I can't, I can't stop thinking about with him, and and I think I can't do this. I can't transcend. I have a very hard time transcending yeah. class warfare. Is that is that shocking to you? Like like you're obsessed with class warfare. No, you're like I, I, no, I hate the no, poor. No, but it's hard for or me. Do you hate the rich. I don't it, know what team you're on. Well, it's hard for me to think. <laughs> it, it's hard for me to think outside of the warfare. Mm. And I think he he is able to do this in a way that I'm not able to. And and what I mean by that is it's kind of like people say like, well, the rich aren't sharing enough with the poor, right? Mm. And, and 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 this. And Pope John Paul's like, no, it, it's not that, right? It's it's that they're sharing it, it's that they're sharing the wrong thing, right? And like that each of them have poverty in their own way. I, I don't know. I'm I'm well, kind of, so he brings up in paragraph 16, the parable of the rich man right. and the poor man, Lazarus, Luke 16. And he said, so widespread is the phenomenon that it brings into question the financial monetary production and commercial mechanisms that resting on various political pressures support the world economy. These are providing incapable approving uh, incapable either of remedying the unjust social situations inherited from the past or of dealing with the urgent challenges and ethical demands of the present. And the crazy thing is like, 
we we realize like your distrust of government, right? Your your healthy rage at uh, I'm for the government. It's I'm true, here to but help. it's all bureaucracies. Don't don't absolutely, pay, don't paint absolutely. me as a weird anti government. But, but think about this: our entire world financial system is giant levels of nested bureaucracies. Yeah, I literally but, it, you saying that literally makes me want to go bury like gold in my backyard because I, <laughs> I hate banks so much. Right, right. And but think about now: you're a poor country trying to get on your feet, and all of a sudden. It all comes with these stipulations that make sure the banks are solvent and they're all funded by the wealthy nations, right? Like the World Bank does not do a lot of good in the world. No, right. Right. And so, but that becomes like for us, it's like, well, you know, yeah, redistribution of wealth and all that stuff. But it's like what they're doing is like, yeah, we'll build a well for you here so that you can have clean drinking water as long as a third of all your women get sterilized. Yeah, right. You know, you hear this and you're like, Right, and it's a real thing. I mean, this that actually happened, right? Yeah, the Catholics and Muslims in Nigeria, the most violent area in the world between Christians and Muslims, joined together and built their own well through like 80 feet of bedrock because they said, we will not sterilize our women, right? And you think about this, they're not imposing this on Americans. Hey, California, no, no, you so want to have rolling is- brownouts go away? <laughs> sterilize right. half your women. <laughs> I mean, half of them voluntarily sterilize themselves, but- other than that, right? Like there, this is what happened. That was a little too political, maybe a little, but this is what we do, right? And this is what he's calling our mind to. It's like, do you see this? We're not committed to individuals. We're committed to ideas. And we don't even mind when those ideas actually have terrible consequences in real people's lives. So the gospel is again, in the midst of like, yeah, global communism and all of this, it's like, there's plenty to blame to go around for everyone. There's plenty of poverty that needs to be fixed. But, and this is where we end uh, number 17. But before we go there, we're going to throw it out to a quick commercial break because we love our fine folks at Ascension Press. Listen up, everybody. Good stuff here. Text EKSB to 33777. Boom. To get on our email list because that email list will keep you posted whenever we have our new shows, all that stuff. There are show notes that are coming out, all that good stuff. Get on that email list. That'll show also that you're a supporter of the show and you want more EKSB. Let's be honest, you want more Dave, and the good news is there's plenty of him to go around. <laughs> we'll be right back. The most important person ever to walk the face of the earth. The source and summit of all things Catholic. But do we really know him? Hi, I'm Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio, sometimes known as Dr. Italy. For 30 years, I've taught about Jesus in Catholic University classrooms, on TV, and on radio. And I've been surprised at how Catholics fascinated with so many of the unique features of the rich Catholic tradition, seem to take for granted the very basis of it all, the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some other Catholic Bible teachers I know have noticed the very same problem. So Jeff Cavins, Dr. Edward Sree, and I decided to collaborate on a groundbreaking study that would focus simply on the life and teaching of Jesus Christ, filmed on location in the land where it all happened. Those who take this journey with us will learn amazing new things about the gospel stories they thought they knew so well, about his family, his friends, his enemies, his miracles. But even more importantly, they will come to know Jesus in a new and astonishing way that will make a surprising difference in their everyday lives. This study, Jesus, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, helps you learn with all your senses. The videos filmed on site in the Holy Land will change the way you visualize the gospel stories. The study guide includes gorgeous images, provocative quotes, illuminating maps, and challenging questions. The book that accompanies the study will have you riveted all the way to the end. 
Order the study pack now at ascensionpress.com forward slash Jesus and get immediate at-home access to the videos and the study guide while the printed components are shipped to you. Again, you can order Jesus the way, the truth, and the life at ascensionpress.com forward slash Jesus. You'll be glad you did. Your life will never be the same. <laughs> so we're <laughs> i got this new fancy recording thing it is very exciting and i still don't know how to use it exciting for gomer exciting for me i love technology even when it manipulates me uh so last part number 17 human rights letter or spirit the pope wants to understand this above all things communist regimes are anti-human even though they call themselves atheistic humanism and he says, which in no way with uh, can be reconciled with any program that describes itself as humanistic. So if you don't know that Marxism uh, and and communism call themselves atheistic humanism, if you don't know that, you don't realize that he just is he's digging on them hard. And what he's saying is, listen, even if you're non-religious, you have to acknowledge that throughout the history of humanity, man has a religious component to his spirit. Man has this religious component. The suppression of that religious thing is in fact the suppression of something essential to man. So the rights of all human beings, if you're going to say, oh, well, like the capitalism, it just destroys people and alienates people from their work. And it's like, yeah, but you reduce man to a collective. You disregard each and every man, the individual, all that stuff while claiming to feed his belly, right? It's like, but you're neglecting his soul. So he hammers home, you can't say you're 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 elevating human rights. You know, you care about the human person against the, you know, for the you care about the proletariat. If and this is one of the funny things he said. He said it's hard enough to keep human rights secured during war. You're doing this in peacetime, right? And he's like, if human rights are violated in time of peace, this is particularly painful. And from the point of view of progress, it represents an incomparable manifestation of activity directed against man, which can in no way be reconciled with any program that describes itself as humanistic. And so what we need to see is the violation of the rights of man go hand in hand with the violation of the rights of the nation, because we're all connected. Nations matter. Families matter. Communities matter. But at the end of the day, if you don't defend the rights of in the individual rights of individual people, you will soon defend no one's rights because you are the originator of those rights. This is why the overturning of Roe v. Wade is an important first step in seeing the rights of the unborn, right? Because when we take a category of people, as the catechism says, and we just dismiss their rights, you undermine the very fabric of your culture. Amen. 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 So it, I what? mean, it, this is, so you're starting to get into yeah. what will be a defining philosophy or I guess a defining mission for his pontificate which is what is real freedom like what it like yeah. like we just we got freedom so wrong and he's yeah. starting to kind of creep into that yeah yeah all right practical takeaways we got one this is a very special practical takeaway actually we just got an email from a listener who said uh he was referring to a super early episode and he said, someone asked to recommend, quote, a couple of books. And by the end of the episode, we had, had no less than 20, 20 yeah. and I bought all 20. So uh, that guy's I, awesome. <laughs> which is so funny. So I'm going to recommend an author and I'm going to recommend people buy all of his stuff. But in particular, um, two books 
No, I'll go with three. Dang it. I'm already doing it. So his name is Neil Postman. Neil Postman. He wrote a very famous book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. He's like a cultural pundit from the 80s and 90s. It was really popular back then. Amusing Ourselves to Death. Um, and then he came out with another one called Technopoly. I think if you have both of those books, you can understand like 90% of our of our culture, even though this was written before the internet age. Right. Like it can still it was help prophetic you. prophetic for sure. Yeah. And then um, the, the another book is How to Watch TV News, which 100% applies to news websites and all this stuff in our, in our web 2.0 culture. And then finally, I think he wrote a book, something called um, – what will happen to children or what is happening to children. And it's all on how reading created adolescence. It's a fascinating study, but in it, he's showing how the lack of our, of our culture and our obsession with technology, it's actually destroying innocence and childhood. And he goes through in a kind of like a systematic academic way and shows that. So the main book is amusing ourselves to death and technopoly. But also these other books, How to Watch TV News and What Will Happen to <laughs> Childhood. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Mike Gomer Gormley with Every Knees Shall Bow. And this is Dave Van Bickle. God bless you all. Don't you sound so fake whenever you do these things, right? You sound so fake, right? You sound so fake. Like, I don't know how this to This is the way I talk all the time, Gomer. This is, and this is Dave Van Bickle. Like you, even, you even have a funny cadence in your voice. All right, text EKSB to 33777. Oh, man, I ruined that one. Text EKSB to 33777 to get on our email list. This is Gomer saying I love you and goodbye. God bless. There it is. That was real, Dave. That was real. That was so real. <laughs>